if I can own my weaknesses, I'm really unstoppable. If I know that I'm going to blow it, if I know that I'm going to mess it up, if I know all that stuff and it's not a problem for me, I mean, I might want to shift it. You know, it's not like, but I'm not going to resist it. And all of a sudden I'm like not ever going to lose momentum. Like I can just keep going. Like that's true. I get it. Yep. Okay, good. Let's go. Got it. Check. And if you don't resist it, you just don't spend any energy trying to change somebody else's mind about it. You can agree with them. I totally get it. That's true. So tell me, what's the cactus that you need to hug? Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high stakes conversations for relentless company founders. Mike Carlos and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian Ed and I sit down to chat about what we mean when we talk about hugging the cactus. And just a little bit of a warning, this conversation will inspire you to feel a bit of pain, but the outcome, I can promise, will be well worth it. Let's dive in. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey, hey, hey. good. Fancy meeting you here. Yeah, here we are. Dan, Adrian, Chad, it's good to be with you guys. Yeah. Um, a uh, couple of quick housekeeping, uh, keeping that survey up for feedback. What do we want this podcast? What do you, listener, want this podcast to look like in 2024? Uh, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your voice. If you have questions, that's a great place to submit some questions. If you'd like to hear us address questions that you're questions you're asking yourself with your team, with yourself, in your leadership, uh, we would love to to talk about those and um, just connect with you. This is such yeah. a, a one sided. Um, communication platform where we're trying to we're, we're working to change that we want to hear from you so yeah uh, let, me, let me say let me just say a couple things on that so you know we typically you know chad does a great job of curating the conversations here and it comes out of some of the conversations we're always having with clients right so we harvest those issues that we see either individually if they're unique or just kind of the, the trends that we see and so maybe something is happening in culture or also what's happening like in the zeitgeist my invite to you is if you're listening is like, think about like, what's the biggest challenge I'm facing that I'm actually, you know, assertively facing? Like, what is that? And you've probably got a thing or two on that list. Like, what's the issue in your business or in your personal life that you're actually uh, aggressively or assertively going after? And then do this one. This is a more of a fun one. What's the thing that's a challenge that you're unwilling to talk to other people about? Like, what's something that you're struggling with privately? And there's probably something on that list as well. Like there's this issue for me personally or professionally that I don't even know how to talk about it yet. And, but you have some notions about it. I, here's what I guarantee is if you sit down with yourself for like five minutes, you'll get some language around it. And you don't need to send us something that's like perfectly well packaged. We won't judge your, you know, articulation of something. It'd be great just to be in a conversation with you about it. And if you don't have an answer to either one of those two, then that's your challenge. Like I'm kind of lost, you know, and I don't know what to do. You know, I'm kind of playing this game or, I'm just kind of going through the motions and how do I stop myself from going through the motions? You know? So anyway, please just utilize this question as an opportunity for your own self-awareness and your own self-determination. And we'd love to be in the conversation with you and whatever you're struggling with, you're not the only one yeah, other people are struggling with it too. So be a courageous step. And I, I've got an idea. Why don't, if you feel like you'd like to talk about it, maybe we'd have you on the show and talk about it. Do it Sit down and talk with us. I'm sure. Hey, you happy about that chat, or did I overstep my boundaries? No, that's great. I mean, great. I'd love that. 
you can sit down and we'll have all four of us, you know, the three of us and you sit down and we'll push okay. it around and see what we come up with. Yeah, I'm open. Yeah, well, I think that would be an exciting way to have these conversations. The second way, the, or the second item of housekeeping is uh, go to wearerevenant.com. Check out the Revenant uh, that we have, Revenants that we have coming up. Learn a little bit about that. I don't want to spend much time here. This is a relational gym, an opportunity for you to come practice uh, what it is that you find difficult practicing out there in the real world with your team, with your spouse. Come and get feedback, get committed to something new and um, and something like, like when I say get committed to something new, like same thing, places of, of life that you're just tolerating what you have. Bring that to this room, to this training, and watch it transform. Experiment with generating new kinds of relationship that'll produce breakthrough kinds of action. You can uh, you can apply for one of our upcoming trainings at wearerevenant.com. We'd love to have you. Um, so I think uh, your invitation, Adrian, was quite poignant towards the topic. Were you you know were you doing that on purpose to make my job easier? No, just natural. <laughs> just flows from me naturally. I don't know. Just I don't know. Naturally, a, a cactus. <laughs> I am just, a cactus. I am a cactus. Prickly little prickly. Did they call you prickly? Is that true? Yeah, it's a Freddie. Freddie called me. Yeah, prickly. Arrogant, um, prickly. Which I talked about in the room. But so this 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 story, by the way. Um, we were in the last revenant, and we were we were rehearsing. You know, before we jump into the things, we as a team, we you know uh, show it as a team before anybody gets in the room. And uh, it was an opportunity to get some feedback. And one of the guys, one of the OGs, one of the guys has been around this work for 30, 40 years. One of the most trusted and most lovely human beings. I've always called it like one of the most likable human beings on the planet. He got up and gave me some feedback, and he said a couple nice things. Then he said he called me arrogant and prickly, and that hit me. Why? Because I can be arrogant and I can be prickly. I know this about myself. I feel that way. And uh, anyway, I talked about it in a larger group setting. Like when everybody got in the room, you know, I was just reflecting on Freddie's feedback. Why? Because I trust Freddie and uh, take it seriously. And I'm wondering then, how have I been arrogant and prickly with him? I naturally like went into an inquiry about it. And later he came back and said, hey, I was just making some stuff up. I'm like, oh, it's okay, man. I know it hit. It's real. It's good, man. All good. We all started going like this. Yeah, he's like, yes, he can be such. He can be. I can't believe he said that. I know. It's so great. Yeah. So I want to talk about, we want to talk about hugging the hugging the cactus, which is a saying that we use um, in our work a lot. And I want to just explore this idea of hugging the cactus. Part lost of your, Chad now. Yep. Hugging the cactus is a saying that we use. And Chad, you want to pick it up from where you left off? Yeah, I broke up. Yeah. Yep. Am I back now? Yeah, yep. you said it's a phrase that we use and then it went, you disappeared. Yeah, this is we use it as an invitation in our work. And Adrian, I think your introduction or as you were talking about people participating and giving their feedback for the podcast, you're, it was an invitation for them to look at what they don't want to look at uh-huh. befriend what they don't you know befriend what they're avoiding and that's really the essence of this saying is hug the cactus now why what i want to do is i want to have a conversation about what 
why do we want to hug the cactus? What is the point of this saying? What is the point of this idea of befriending what it is that we don't want to see? And I think we could we can set the conversation up nicely by talking about first what is the cactus? Well, cactus is anything you don't like about yourself or that you've judged about yourself. It's like allowing yourself to be crucified by your own judgment so that you can be resurrected, right? So the the key is am I willing to first notice the things that I cuz you know, it, it sounds easy, oh, yeah, it's the things you don't like about yourself. But what we do with those things is I tend to hide them from myself. That's what my, you know, that's. And so when somebody brings them up, I know it's a cactus when I have to get defensive. And when I find myself that, oh, shoot, there's something here for me to hug. There's something to press in. And the idea is to quicken your vitality, to bring you to life, right? And And where we come to life is where we... Now, if you notice, like if some, your spouse says something to you and you want to defend it, well, welcome to the cactus because now you've been quickened to life to assure your spouse that it isn't that way, that it's really them. And that's that's the sign that there's a cactus poking you. Now, the question is, am I willing to embrace it? Can I stop and let it puncture me? And it comes from a a Christian kind of background uh the Desert Fathers is called compunction. Are you willing to be disturbed about it in a way that you it can talk to you and you can let it bring up what's there that you haven't been willing to look at? Really? Yeah. I love your method for identifying the cactus, Dan, which is, you know, what I heard or what I took from it is that which you resist. That which you don't want to even look at is the cactus and the invitation. I have an example of a, a coaching call that I was on this morning. And um, this guy is salt of the earth, amazing dude, very successful in his space. He's a hi- highly creative. He and his wife has, have been partners in their business for, I don't even know how long, probably 20 years. And um, just highly capable. And they are going some through some things with their 18-year-old son. And their 18-year-old son is in no uncertain terms, giving them some feedback about what he thought about their parenting. And it's disrupting the story that these two have about themselves as parents, right? They want to preserve this idea that I'm a good dad. I've been a good dad. She's been a great mom. And they're missing the opportunity to connect with their boy because they're looking to preserve the thing that they're most afraid of, which is, what if I made some mistakes? Or certainly I did make some mistakes. And so my conversation with him was, hey man, what if you just loved the conversation of, at times I was a shitty dad. At times I made some mistakes. And I want to know what those are and I want to hear them. What if you made that shift? What difference would it make in this conversation with your boy? And it just opened a world of, I mean, he was just like, I don't know, like the colors turned back on for him. And and he was like, oh my God, like I could, 
if I could hear that from him, he would probably feel heard. And then I would get some feedback. I still have younger kids. What if some of his feedback was a gift for me for those kids, for the, the kids that I still have that are home? Anyway, it was just, it was a beautiful thing, but that was the cactus he was avoiding. He couldn't even begin to entertain that there were some mistakes. Like, he, uh, what's the difference? He knew there was mistakes he had made as a dad. But it was he willing to look at that as like, well, what if I, you know, what if this thing that I'm avoiding, I can befriend? Yeah. Yeah, the, the cactus dis, is a disruption to the comfort zone. You know, it's a, um, we don't like, you know, I know me, it's hard to say, you're right, tell me more. Yeah. It's, I, what's a challenge? That's, that there is a, a, <laughs> something to get over, right? If I can get yep. over that. So new, new, new things become new. Yeah. The phrase in my head, because we're kind of talking about the cactus that's revealed from other people is, uh, I don't know where this is a quote from, or if I'm just making it up, but, um, agree with your enemies quickly. That's from the Bible. Is it? There it is. Well, great. Um, well, at and, least there's uh, one good thing in there. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There's something, something. Take a look. Um, long book. Um, but you know, and you know, in this context, it's kind of funny, like his dad, the dad would never call his son an enemy, um, probably, but yet he's relating to him like such in that situation. And so to agree with your enemy or just this, the person that has the antithetical view that you're really scared to sow, just find yourself like as an experiment, like agreeing with that person. Like, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure let's, let's, let, I want to hear about that. And what happens in the relationship whenever it's like, okay, I can get alongside of the feedback that I'm actually working hard not to be so. And let me entertain why it might be so. And then I'm wide open and it does shift things, right? Because part of his son's venom, I'm sure, is not only not only what the father and mother did poorly in his view, but also the resistance to to seeing how they have, you know, so if I drop the resistance, which I can't do anything about what happened, except for I can be really um, bent towards owning what happened and seeing what's happening now from the lens of someone that received what happened poorly before. And that generates such a, a huge opening. But I have to then, to get back to the point of like hugging the cactus, like, okay, there's a gift, which is I think your main point, Chad, there's a gift and owning um, the parts of me that I'd that I've spent so much of my time trying to avoid, and that's a counterintuitive view. But there's so much life to your point, Dan. There's so much life in that. I mean, I've I've said this in several ways over the last couple of weeks that if I can own my weaknesses, um, I'm really unstoppable. Like if I know, if I know that I'm going to blow it, if I know that I'm going to mess it up, if I know all that stuff and it's not a problem for me, I mean, I might want to shift it, you know, it's not like, but I'm not going to resist it. Then all of a sudden I'm like, not ever going to lose momentum. Like I can just keep going. Like, that's true. I get it. Yep. Okay, good. Let's go. Got it. Check. And if you don't resist it, you just spend, don't spend any energy trying to, sh trying to, you know, change somebody else's mind about it. You can agree with them. I totally get it. That's true. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. 
Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now, that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate what's effective and what's ineffective, what your strengths are and what your blind spots are. It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. Yeah, that's, by the way, it's Matthew 525 through 533, I think it is. Okay. And, but, um, you know, you think about it, how much, of, you know, I was thinking about the parent getting that feedback. I've told the story about Elizabeth and that, was when, you know, she basically had, she was giving me feedback about how I was missing her, but how easy it is, you know, to begin, to become more committed to how I look as a parent than loving my parent, my child. You know, that's, that's the thing that occurred to me. And it only took me three months of torture to get that, <laughs> you know, to kind of get like, wow, I'm more committed to looking good as a parent than I am to loving my daughter. And that will put you on your knees pretty quickly. You know, like, how, like, how did I earn this from my daughter? Well, that, that for me, encapsulated it. And I had to ask myself, just, you know, how much of my life has been designed to avoid the judgments I don't want, you know, that I have about myself? And, you know, it still, it still goes on. It's not like you ever arrived there. That's, that's, that comes up a lot for me when I train or when I coach. You know, as to Adrian's point, being willing to, asked the room and he did it was I thought it was beautiful Adrian when you opened up that inquiry opened up so much in the room and set the tone for the feedback because you were so willing to receive it yourself and I mean invited people into the space to just be themselves you think about all the stress all the energy that goes to trying to perpetrate an image or front when like you when you give up that front that all that energy comes back for me to be able to notice who the hell I'm trying to front, <laughs> who's out there. So, yeah, you know, in a real in a real practical way. Even just this morning, we're around the kitchen table. Me and my two little kids I have a nine year old boy and a seven year old girl. And uh, my daughter wanted some milk, and so I grabbed them. She wanted a mug. She didn't want the glass. I got her. And if you guys know Charlie, she's very particular. And um, so she wanted a mug, and I grabbed this mug. Uh, out of the cabinet, which was like a, oh, it has pictures on it, and it was like from her first birthday, and and uh, 
I said to them, you know, so we've, I've been divorced from their mom since we separated in 2016. So it's been a while. And I just said, I said, yeah, be really careful of this mug. It means a lot to me because it was like your mom's first gift to me after we had separated. And she gave me this mug. And I remember how much this mug meant to me. It was like a very sweet, like a Father's Day gift or something like that. It was like the first kind of like generous act I'd felt in a while from her after the separation. And so the mug means a lot to me and I want Charlie to take care of it and blah, blah, blah. And Charlie asked, why did you guys separate? That's a big question, you know, for a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And there's a big, long adult's answer to that. Um, and then there's like, how do you talk about that with a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old in a way that's like honest uh, and helpful simultaneously? Um, and, you know, I remember... Years ago, I remember my ex saying something at some point, um, at some point they're going to find out what you did. Something like that was pretty much the quote from her. Um, and I remember, of course, like she's thinking there's like bad news about your behavior and what, at least my contribution to the breakdown of the relationship. And at some point the kids are going to find out and it's going to be really bad for you. I think that was the insinuation. But I found myself at the table this morning, which I knew right when she said it um, back so many years ago. I knew, oh, no, no, this is actually going to bond me with my kids. You know, and so I sat today and trying to translate, you know, my behavior. And by the way, I was like, a, I drank like a fish and I was very unfaithful and all the stuff that's like stereotypically, you know, uh, you know horrible uh, behavior and blah, blah, blah. And there's obviously reasons for that. And uh, but at the same point, you know, I've thought about this a lot and it's not, I don't excuse any of it, but I'm also very human in the sense that like, oh, those are all reactions to an internal condition that I was unwilling to deal with in a healthy way. And so I dealt with that internal condition in a really unhealthy way, which caused a lot of damage, um, you know, to Jess and, and, you know, and, and some, you know, secondary tertiary, you know, damage to the kids. But I was able to sit and kind of just talk about it like, hey, this is what was going on for me at the time. And I could have made these types of decisions, and I didn't. I didn't ask for help. And instead, I dealt with them in ways that was really hurtful to your mom. And I did this, and I did that. And I, you know, alluded to without the hypercolor detail, you know, the fact that I drank a lot, the fact that I had other, um, you know, girlfriends and all these types of things. And that's like, is that incriminating? I mean, it's, it's, it wasn't helpful. It wasn't good. At the same point, I'm going to relate to it in a way that. I could run away from this fact and try to dress it all up, or I could just own it beautifully in front of them. Uh, and then also talk about the broader picture as well. Like there's also other ways people relate to that, that some shuts down possibilities and some opens up possibilities. So my point with all this is like, that's a, that's a cactus I've been hugging for a long time because I want to, you know, not be held back by my, you know, quote unquote, worst decisions. They're actually are teachers for me and they're not too far away from me either. Like I got to be real about it so that I keep making solid, good decisions and I can be healthy moving forward. And like the, the cactuses that puncture us at one point in life can be our great teachers moving forward. But if we spend our lives trying to avoid those things and trying to make sure we don't look as bad in our own eyes or to other people like we think we should, then we never get the learnings. And we, you know, we waste the suffering instead of like savoring the suffering. Here's the irony for me in this is that when I practice this, 
hugging the cactus, embracing the thing I want to avoid. At the time that I'm avoiding it, it looks like a cactus. And then when I hug it, it's like beautiful. Yeah. It's like, it's, it, it's not quite soft, but it is, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like, ah, uh, yes, this is, this is right. This is part of me. Yeah. It's, it's part of coming home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like that I'm coming home and at home, uh, I have no pretense. You know, if I'm, if I'm real, or I, I'm authentic about my own inauthenticity as Adrian was demonstrating and talking with, you know, Charlie and, and Scout like that, that what does that teach them? Well, it teaches them, A, not to be afraid of their faults, you know, the yeah. things that they do that miss. It teaches right. them that there's a possibility on the other side of it. <laughs> you know, it, it, and it's a great way for them to begin to complete the great mystery of how come my parents aren't together. Like right. what, what, bonds us still it gives language to that and and they get to learn from the mistake i nothing better than learning from your parents mistakes or the things they missed and then if you happen to find yourself making the same mistakes well there's a possibility for recovery much bigger possibility for a resurrection than a, than a termination right because i know for me seeing my father reconcile with my mother made a big difference for me. It may, it, uh, it was like, even though they weren't married any longer, his love for her, the way he took care of her, the way he enrolled his, you know, my second mother, Amy, into that relationship and her stand for my mother, all of that had a huge impact or imprint on my life and what's possible with my own family. Like nothing's too big. We can... We're going to make, we're going to be resurrected no matter what attacks us. You know, it's been the greatest teacher. I don't know about the greatest, but one of the great teachers for me in this, and it's, I know it's really, uh, culturally, it's really hip right now to talk about cold plunges. Uh-huh. Um, but honestly, my practice of getting in cold water and- is like a daily lesson of hugging the cactus. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It's like a reminder of like, just it, it, when you get like, I, there has not been one single time where I was like, I don't want to get in that fucking water. <laughs> I just don't, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And once you get in, it's like, you always want to get right out. <laughs> yes. Yes. And while you're in it, while you're hugging it, while it's like, while it's in, it's like, I got to get out. I got to get out again. And, and the, the, the practice is to calm that and to, to remind your, at least for me, remind myself, I'm okay. I've got this. And then when I get out, it's like, oh, man, thank you for that. Every single time. And that's been such a, a powerful reminder and teacher for me in this hug the cactus. It's like, it's going to suck. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to want to get out of it. And then you're going to come out the other side of it and be, thank you. Thank you. for that. Quicken to life. Vital, vital you know. And I, if, if I, you know, we could call it the revenant. The cactus farm. (laughs) (laughs) Closing thoughts. One of the things that is I'm paying attention to in life on a very consistent basis is how much time I'm wasting and how much energy I'm wasting. 
And, you know, I could go through and talk about people that I've known really well or people that I've even considered mentors or people that have been under the influence, you know, been under their influence. And, you know, for all those folks, there's certain aspects of their being or personality or operation out there in the world that they seemed to really, you know, be running away from. And uh, and that way they've taught me a lot because there's nothing in my life that I really want to be running away from because I know that's just an early death, right? And it's just a segregated life. And then I spend my time doing other things to try not for that thing to happen. Um, and the more and more, the older I get, I think the more I open up to this conversation that if I, if I were just to accept myself, um, at the deepest level, then really the world fully opens up. I mean, I know this is true. I think it's just the math of it. The more, if I can accept everything in me, like not be okay with it, like not settle for it, but accept it, like let it be so, I know that it's so, and let me just look at it and like be with the kind of the fear or the horror of that. Um, if I can accept all that, then my the opportunity and relationships exponentially expands because there's nothing anybody else can say or do that I'll spend very much time judging because I can relate to them. And I think most of the kind of stiltedness and culture or the drama or the soap opera that we like to judge other people like we're other than them, like they're uniquely messed up. It's just because we haven't looked in the mirror long enough. And the more that we're willing to look in the mirror and just befriend whatever's there, not as an ending place, but at least as a starting place. And like, okay, this is so this just happened, you know, and it reflects on me in this way. And I'm not a done deal. And so I'll start here with wherever that is. If we can practice that level of self-acceptance um, as a starting place, not to settle. Once again, I just keep making that distinction because people I think, th- I know I think this way, is that if I, you know, if I accept something that means I'm okay with it. No, it, that's not the case. It doesn't have to be that way anyway. I can accept something as a starting, as the starting blocks, not the finish line, because I'm not destined to stay the way I am. And that's a little bit about why we love Adler over Freud. Um, but if if I'm willing to start with what's here, then there's really no bounds to the level of meaning and connection and uh, richness that I can experience on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis in any kind of relationship or any kind of phase of my life. So this idea of you know exploring the dark corners of our lives is actually where, ironically, and it's paradoxical, like if you go explore the death of our lives, we actually come more alive, which is one of the main themes of this conversation, obviously. So, and it doesn't come natural to us as humans. So, uh, the invitation in this is like this is essentially the core of the revenant process: is you know befriending the conversations that you might have really given up on, and you need help to do that because, you know, we don't naturally do it. Uh, and it's antithetical to most of our pop psychology bullshit. Um, but suffering is the way to really uh, have a, a really deep, meaningful life. So suffer well um, and suffer on like a- edging myself, leaning myself towards what I want. And it'll be a gift to you. So if you don't practice that, please come do it with us. We're great. We're good. We're, you know, and the revenant process isn't, isn't meant to be an ad, but just the perfect example for it like we're all in this like we're none of us are done deals and if we don't think we're done deals we're ever i don't ever want to be a done deal that sounds like death to me like i always want to be looking and seeing and 
what could be more, what could, you know, what could be something new that's happening for me or what could I discover? Um, which is why I dig parenting so much because it's always this overturning, this, you know, this shifting, this moving target. Um, so come and do this with us. Uh, love to have you and the water's warm. Yeah, I think when I think about this, I say hugging the cactus is equals community. You know, if I'm going to be in a community, if I'm going to have a family that's going to be, you know, with a legacy, if I'm going to leave a legacy, then hugging the cactus is my, as I accept myself, I can love others and accept them because the more I'm in community, and if you live in a family, you know, so we all go, oh, well, my family's so screwed up. Yeah, we're aware of our own foibles, and we see them in our family members. And if I can accept it in me, then I can get close to you. And I can, when you're in that place, I can love you right through it. One of my favorite things about my wife and living with my wife is when she says, don't do it, Duke, you know, because she knows I'm about to go off into some tantrum, one of my, you know, and, and it enables me to hug the cactus like so I can get close to her, right? And she's right on. And my kids are good at it. My daughter's great at it with me. And we do it with each other. And I think I know, you know that's what builds a community is the ability to love each other, even in our ugly states, you know, like, oh, okay, that, no, we're going through that right now. You know, okay, Adrian's a little prickly right now. Maybe he's up against it. Dan's, you know, being an asshole right now or defensive. I mean, what's up? What's he up against? You know, you know, Chad's shutting down and feeling like a victim, like he's been left out. But we all have our little cactuses that we're constantly, and if we're all aware of them and if we can hug it, then we can beat together. So that, that's what shows up for me. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's great. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thanks, man. Right. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.